Hi, and welcome to another episode of Five Good Thoughts. Today, we're joined by Don Gordon to offer us five good thoughts on creation care. Don, glad you could be here with us today. Glad to be with you, Jack. Appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. So, uh, Dr. Gordon, uh, Don <laughs> is a, a good friend. Uh, he was my pastor when we were in North Carolina for a time. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of C3, which is Christians Caring for Creation. And we thought of just no better voice to kind of give us some thoughts and in, in, uh, five good thoughts, in fact, about creation care. So let's begin with number five. Okay, um, number five is faith and science should be partners, not enemies. Uh, Jack, I've taught a course at a small private Christian university in Western North Carolina for the past four years. And what has struck me is how young people's view on faith is primarily shaped by popular stereotypes more than actual understanding of historical doctrines and the Bible. Uh, and one of those stereotypes is that faith and science are antithetical, that they are completely opposed to one another um, the stereotype holds that you can have faith in God or you can have faith in science, but you can't have faith in both. And yet from Augustine to Aquinas, um, people throughout history have embraced the science of their day and faith in God. Um, Aquinas especially believed that we learn much about God through observing the world and so forth. Well, um, especially students from Europe will come to my classes and they will say, oh, I don't believe the Bible. I believe in science. Um, and, and ironically, students from a number of places in near that university will say, I don't believe in science. I believe in the Bible. And both of the, the students, these atheists from Europe and these conservative students from North Carolina are both looking at the Bible the same way, that it is a literal textbook, and it, it is a literal textbook in every realm of knowledge with which it deals. And so I'm trying to help these students see that you can believe in science and faith, and that one, they're just dealing with different questions. So, um, you know, science is going to deal with when and what and where, and, and but faith deals with questions about who and why, why God created the world and who created the world. God created the world and why did God create it and what is our part in it? So um, I'm hoping that my students can see that these things are partners and I'm hoping that we as an organization, C3 as, as an organization, can uh, perpetuate this kind of mentality that you can believe in science and faith and they are not enemies. Yeah, that's such an interesting observation that 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 we are so formed by uh, tropes, right? That, that aren't even grounded in, in our historical experience, but uh, just molded by culture. Uh, that's a tough thing to push back on. Right, it is. I mean, I think of one of the, the examples that is most prominent is students' understanding of evolution. And they'll come in and say, Oh, I didn't come from a monkey or I didn't come from an ape. And those little simplified statements sort of shape their whole understanding of the scientific interaction with faith. 
So uh, it really, it, it takes some education and some nurturing and time to help them move beyond these tropes and these popular stereotypes into something that is more thoughtful. Yeah, that's well said. All right, number four. Um, number four is that poor theology leads to bad ecology. Um, and I think that when I'm thinking of poor theology in this context, I'm thinking about this idea that so many people have, especially evangelicals have, and that is that, that the Christian faith is primarily a ticket to heaven. And since it's, sim since it's simply a ticket to heaven, what we do and how we behave and the ethical standards that we uphold are, are really uh, insignificant. I remember my first church um, when a former pastor came to visit, one of his first questions to me was, are you a soul winner? And I, I was a little bit taken aback by that. And this whole idea that the Christian faith is just grounded in this idea of soul winning rather than the more broad understanding of discipling, uh, training people to be followers of Jesus. Yes. And separation of soul and body as if we're winning souls and we don't care about the body leads to bad theology and bad ecology um it dismisses this idea that we are to care for our own bodies um we are to care for other people's bodies for example we're told to care for the widows how do you care for the widows you care for the widows by taking care of their bodies and making sure they have a place to stay and food to eat and uh, clothing for their bodies um so if all that matters is going to heaven god certainly would have taken us there as soon as we converted so this whole ticket to heaven mentality has contributed to a low ethical engagement and and it has hurt our understanding of how we are to be stewards of the earth um you know that's that was the very first thing that god did in the garden of eden he came as a gardener and Adam and Eve's first job were as gardeners, caretakers of this earth that he had given to them. So um, that's why we need a more holistic uh, understanding of the Christian faith and not just one aspect of it. Yeah. And again, like you see this also just butting up against so many, uh, again, the stereotypes and the tropes that arise culturally, uh, even in in the smaller Christian culture that may uh, promote this kind of ideology that, that again, is not based in our historical beliefs or uh, uh, experiences. Um, it's a relatively new issue, wouldn't you say? Uh, now, when you say, what what is the relatively new issue? What well, like the, the effects of the Christian culture, uh, that the kind of, um, oh, bookstore culture that that wants to to push a certain ideology um or or many whatever it may be right yeah i mean so often when i encounter people especially with people who are more skeptical about the christian faith or um really opposed to the christian faith if if you give them a hearing and you listen to their concerns uh that's really what they want and to be taken seriously and so often when they raise issues and problems with what they perceive as the Christian faith, I'll say to them, you know, I don't, th that's not the Christian faith I know about. The God that you are describing is not the God 
that I believe in. And so this, this, this God that you were portraying here and knocking down, I would be glad for that God to be knocked down. Um, we need, we need a different kind of God. So uh, it, it takes dialogue and understanding and listening to one another. Sure. That's great. And, and, and please, I guess just to say to my listeners, I'm not, uh, have no intention of being derogatory to towards Christian bookstores. I am just simply saying, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that, that there is some things that go on, uh, there that, that when you're, when you're trying to seek profits from selling books and, and these sort of things, um, we should, uh, we should recognize that, 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 that is a business and there's great things, very, very great things, but also some, some dark side to any of that. Um, pressing on number three. Okay. Number three is that, uh, creation care, which is primarily what my, um, organization organization is about creation care is more than climate change i i hope you hear this bird in the background here i mean Again, what a beautiful in, like on point <laughs> bird chirp that you have right i am in my backyard on my back deck it's a beautiful um sunny day in north carolina about 75 degrees um this bird is really loud and competing with me so i'll try to speak <laughs> above the birds but um you know, my point is that creation care is more than climate change. I mean, there are there's things like deforestation, plastic pollution, air pollution, water pollution, biodiversity, ecological justice. Now, this idea that the poor have the least impact on the environment and yet they receive the the brutal um, forces of environmental misbehavior um, or our misbehavior in other ways. So, um, for example, just to take one of these, uh, deforestation, you know, we often think about climate change, that this is about wind power and solar power and water power, electric cars, electric car charging stations, but really our most efficient way to reach zero carbon emissions is through protecting our forest. Um, you know, forests cover about 31% of the planet. And the Amazon rainforest alone is home to hundreds of thousands of species of plants and animals. But despite everything these forests do for us, they are being cut down at an alarming rate. I tell people, especially for football fans, and I'm sure at Baylor, there's a lot of football fans, that there are about, we are losing forests at the rate of 48 football fields per minute. Wow. every every minute so if you there are about 48 college football games in the country every saturday if you think about getting rid of that football field of forest all of those football fields in one minute for every single minute of every single hour of every single day that is a, a massive clear-cutting um, event that is taking place and it's creating all sorts of climate problems, as well as biodiversity issues with animals and plants and bug, bugs. And so that, that is an, an important issue that is related to climate change, but much more than just climate change. Yeah, that's, that's wow. I mean, that's staggering, uh, staggering statistic. But, it, it, but it's not also just far away in, in the Amazon. I do think we we can see if I were to get in a car to come see you, I would drive through Jackson, Mississippi, where they have had a water crisis that is related to flooding and severe storms. That's related to 
climate change, but also to some of the, the impact that, that we have on our world that is, I mean, it, it, it's in our backyard. Right. Yeah. These trees that we, we have cut down, these clear cutting things that have happened around the world, including the United States, are they are the lungs of the earth and they are the aquifers. They are the ones that convert um, this carbon into oxygen and they absorb our water. They prevent flooding from happening. So all of this is very interrelated. Mm. That's good. Well, hit us with number two, which is typically our spot for resources. And we've got a good one today. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to give my, a plug for myself here if I can. Please do. <laughs> I want to plug our website, ChristiansCaringForCreation.com. And that's um, the word for F-O-R, not the number for ChristiansCaringForCreation.com, or you can get there through .org. Um, we're about three years old. I started this organization three years ago when my first grandchild was born, and I recognized that he very well may live into the 21st century. And so, um, or, or I guess I should say the 22nd century. Right. Right. And and what kind of world is he going to live in? So I started this organization and this website, I think, ha is a really good resource. There's a number of book suggestions on here, books by leading theologians and ecologists like Norman Wiersba and Sandy Richter and many others. Um, there are sermon archives, sermons that have been preached by me or C3 Sermon Challenge winners. Every year we have a C3 Sermon Challenge. And we invite people to submit sermons and we name winners and give out prizes. This, this website has Bible studies for Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights. We have blogs. There are 40 Bible verses on here with how God loves the earth and calls us to care for it. And another 40 quotes from significant leaders and theologians and preachers about the need to care for the earth. Um, we also have video series by Robert Davies a professor of physics at Utah State University has done a, a series of videos that range from three to eight minutes that talk about different environmental issues that really are very accessible for lay people. So um, it's, it's a, a wonderful resource. And I also would go ahead and put in a plug for our fall conference, October the 18th, Loving What God Loves. It's going to be a virtual com conference. We were hoping it would be in-person and virtual but it's gonna be in-person. Um, keynote speaker, Norman Wiersba from Duke Divinity School. Our scientific consultant, Robert Davies is also going to be there. And we also will have a worship service. We're gonna model what a creation care worship service might look like. So um, you, can, you can register for that on our website, uh, October the 18th in the morning. And um, so that's the, the, the resource I want to plug. Yeah, and let me just say, uh, it is. It, I, I've spent time on the website, and and I, I think it's so thoroughly, um, in, just so much there that helps on every level. Whether you're a clergy person, a lay person, and you're interested in, in these sort of things, I mean, I love Psalm eight is is used in the Bible uh, study portion, and that's one of my my favorite. It's something that that I keep coming back to is this idea that that we have. A vocation and a calling from God, um, and, a, and a responsibility there, and, and and so yeah, just head to the website. We'll have it in the show notes. Uh, encourage folks to to head there. All right, so we're come down to it. 
Give us our, our number one good thought on creation care. Well, um, this one uh, is sort of uh, starts out as a warning, uh, and that is that there is there is scientific consensus on climate change. I just want to reiterate that point, I guess, because um, just in the past several weeks, I've had a number of good friends that I respect and appreciate who really are interested in in this subject, and they are forwarding um, this media post, social media post that's gone viral that claims that there are 1,100 scientists or other uh, professionals who are debunking this idea of climate change, that there really is not um, a real crisis that we are facing. And it's been given some credibility because the top signatory is a Nobel Peace Prize, a Nobel Prize winner, um, Ivar Giaver. And but his Nobel Prize is in electronic tunneling in superconductors, and it has nothing to do with global warming or climate scientists, climate, climate science. So, and many of these 1,100 scientists, so-called, and professionals are really not scientists. Um, they are engineers or medical doctors. A number of them are scientists, but they're petroleum geologists. And a number of them work or have worked for big oil industry. So it's just sort of a heads up that we need to be careful when something like that goes viral. And I would also just plug this idea or this another website called skepticalscience.com. If you ever come across anything like that, it, it addresses these things. Um, so that's sort of the warning, but I do want to end uh, by sharing some hope that I have and that I've heard in recent days. Um, and for example, um, you, recently the U.S. has passed the biggest, most comprehensive legislation on climate change in our history as a country. Um, another thing a lot of people don't know about, and I just read about this in a wonderful book entitled Climatonomics, but Exxon Oil has committed to a climate neutral impact by 2050. They actually had a takeover in their company by stockholders. It was a grassroots takeover um, who knew that the future of the company was in clean energy, not fossil fuels. They actually took over the, the, board, the board of directors there and, um, and now are, are sending Exxon into a new path. You know, major, all the major car companies are all committed to producing electric vehicles. Um, the UN Climate Con Conference was recently attended and affirmed by 170 nations. And now even churches are beginning to see their call to be leaders in creation care. And I'll put out uh, a shout out to Woodlawn Baptist Church in San Antonio, the only church in that city to win an environmental award for all of its companies and businesses and nonprofits because of their work in um, environmental sustainability. They are putting solar panels on their church building and electric charging stations in their parking lot. So you can go to a church on Wednesday night, do a Bible study and um, have your family night supper while your car is getting charged in the parking lot. And other people from the city are coming to charge their cars in the parking lot too um, and bringing money to your church. So wow. just uh, a good, there are some good things happening 
in the climate world. Well, that's great. That's good to hear an encouragement and a challenge, right? And that's that's often the way our Christian faith uh, calls us forward is both in challenge, uh, encourage, uh, but also to see the good things that, that are happening in and around and among us. Don, I am so grateful for your your uh, participation and being with us today. Uh, I'm, I, I am encouraged and challenged and ready to, to think more deeply on this. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Jack. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to your listeners. Well, for everybody uh, online, thanks for, for tuning in to Five Good Thoughts. We will see you next time.